Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. You know, in any relationship, whether it be uh, husband-wife or friendship, uh, when we have a relationship with someone else, we sometimes give up our preferences for the sake of the other person, right? If you're going to honor other people and have good relationships, that's part of it. Um, Paul had a, had a plan for his life, right? He, he was going to go to Asia he was going to preach the gospel in Asia, and the Holy Spirit said no. Then he tried to go to Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit hindered him from doing that too. And he had a dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come and minister to us. And, and he went, and he ministered in Macedonia, and God opened up a great door of ministry for his life. And uh, so our surrender helps us in our relationship with God. But it also helps to open up doors for God to work and achieve His purposes in our lives. And so, um, the scripture uh, that we're looking at here today is actually one written by the Apostle Paul. And he's going to talk about surrender. Uh, and, and this how surrender is used in our lives, uh, in, in the surrender of our hearts, our emotions our bodies, our minds to serve God and the difference it can make. You know, surrender is the first step of salvation, isn't it? In faith, we surrender or repent of our sin and turn to God and receive the gift of eternal life. Repentance is also the daily call of God upon our lives because Jesus said, if you'll come after me, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. And so surrender is such a critical part of our lives. And uh, we're called to surrender to God so that He can work His purposes through our lives and so that we can bring honor and glory to Him. Uh, a lot of times people don't think of surrender as worship. But surrender is worship. Uh, you know, I, a lot of times... I know at one time in my life, I always thought, well, worship is what we do on Sunday when we sing and we praise God. And that is true. But worship is not limited to that. Worship can be shown toward our God through what we do, through what we say, and through how we act in life in general. And as we surrender to God, that is one of the most profound ways to worship Him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so, uh, surrender is worship. And the title of my message is Worshiping by Surrendering. Uh, so, look with me at one verse, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So, worshiping by surrender. What should we surrender? Well, first of all, you need to surrender your heart. You need to surrender your heart. And what I'm talking about here, 
uh, is found in the first part of the verse. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. Now, he's just finished a whole section, well, really the whole book of Romans up to this point has been about the mercy of God and how God shows mercy. And the end of chapter 11, God says, well, God took the uh, rejection of the Israelites of, of the gospel and he used it to take it to the Gentiles. Now he's taking the Gentiles, he's using them to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy so that all people can be saved. This is God's heart. And so God even uses the rejection of people uh, to show his mercy to other people. And that's the sovereignty of our God and the amazing will and wisdom of our God that he takes and uses even the rejections of people to bring about the salvation of souls. Because it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And this mercy that he shows us, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I can think of a lot of things in my life. If I were God, I'd say, well, let's just pass over this Roger Pugh fellow and let's you, you know, use somebody else. Uh, but God, in his mercy, saved my soul. He washed away my sin through the blood of Calvary's cross. Uh, he opened the door of heaven. As, as the veil split when Jesus said it is finished, he opened up the door of heaven so that spiritually I can enter God's presence in prayer at any time I choose. This is the mercy of God with a capital M. And it's the mercy that God delights to show to anyone who will repent of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ. But he says, in view of the mercies of God, I want to call you to do some things. So what is he saying? Let your heart be moved by this. Let your heart be engaged by this. You know, sometimes we think of emotions as a bad thing. And I'll admit, emotions can go way off the deep end, can't they? Uh, if you let your life be ruled completely by emotion, you're in for a roller coaster ride. Uh, because emotions can be unpredictable and so forth. But emotions are part of how God created us, right? Uh, they're part of who He made us to be. And so... Uh, when, when God told Moses to, to talk to the Israelites and tell them what to do, he said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Sometimes people worship God with their mind, and they're thinking about all the great things about the Lord. Other times God, people worship more with their emotion, and they're just overflowing from their heart. Uh, but God intends for the whole person to be involved in worship. And our emotions are part of what motivates us in life, right? Uh, and so we are to surrender our hearts to God and to allow Him to move our emotions. And listen, I want to tell you something. Studying the Word of God should not be a dry, dusty exercise. It should be the reading of a living letter uh, because the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. The man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's also his letter. For God so loved the world. You can put your name in that blank. God so loved, in my case, Roger Pugh. God so loved you and you. That he gave his one and only son. 
And as you be, the more you go in God's Word, and the more you d- dig down deeper in God's Word and learn it and, and, and master it and begin to, to, to see how it fits into the big picture of God's plan, the more your heart will be amazed. And the more your emotions will be stirred when you truly understand it. I remember um, when I was a teenager reading about the wrath and justice of God. And uh, I just, some of those scriptures in the Old Testament, I remember uh, the one scripture, I think it might have been in Amos, where God tells the Israelites, I can't stand your worship because you're thinking about what you're going to do after you get out of the service and you're not paying attention to me and you're not focusing on me. But that convicted me to the core. And I thought, well, good night, I do that all the time. How am I going to, how am I going to make it if God is despising my worship so often. And uh, I really struggled with that. And I, I, I began to, to think, well, you know, maybe I'm under the wrath of God. And I, I really didn't understand what the Scripture says about the wrath of God. And praise God, the, the Bible says um, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And that means he took the wrath of God for us. And the day I understood that all the wrath of God for my sin, past, present, future, was poured out on Jesus. All the justice I deserved was poured out on Jesus at the cross. That was a happy day. Can I tell you, I got excited. I thought, wow, what good news. I was a Christian, but I was living as though the price had not been paid. Praise God, the price has been paid. But that's just one truth in Scripture. And as you allow yourself to be moved by the mercies of God. Have you ever, have you ever um, been going through a difficult time and God has given you just the comfort that you needed? Maybe it was in a friend's phone call uh, or on a, in a radio broadcast or um, perhaps coming to church and God has ministered to your heart um, and you just feel the comfort of God's spirit. What a wonderful thing. That's the mercy of God. Delight in it. Rejoice in it. Get excited. There used to be a song, and I don't know, this, this will date me. Uh, it, it was, I think it was in the 70s, okay? Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. That's a good verse, or a good, good song, good verse of the song. Uh, that is what we're to do. Allow ourselves to be moved by the greatness of who God is. I want to tell you, if you can't get excited by the greatness of who God is, by his power and his majesty as you view the, the universe, as you see uh, pictures of the galaxies and things we can't even see with our naked eye that God has created. If you can't get excited about the justice of God, listen, I, I tell you, I'm so grateful for the justice of God. I'm grateful I'm not under it in terms of getting punished for what I deserve through Christ, but I'm glad that God is just. And the reason is, there's so much injustice in the world. And it's a wonderful thing that one day God's going to come make everything right. Um, if you can't get excited about the love of God. Listen, God is, he knows everything. He has all power, and yet he chooses to love you and to love me. Is that not amazing? 
So he says, in view of the mercies of God. I want you, I want you to let your heart be engaged in this. Don't serve God because you feel like you have to. There's a scripture that said, uh, uh, God says to, to the Israelites, he says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. If I was thirsty, I wouldn't ask you for something to drink because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm not going hungry anytime soon. I'm able to supply my own needs. I don't need you. Okay. Now, does God love us? Does he want a relationship with us? Of course he does. But if Roger Pugh is to turn his back on God, I don't plan on doing that, but if he was, God wouldn't wring his hands and he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't be dismayed. He's God. And so, the fact that God loves us and works in our lives and moves in his, in his power to answer our prayers that he's written our days in his book, we ought to be excited about that and praise the name of the Lord every day that we live. Surrender your heart to him. Let your heart be moved and excited. And if you're not, you probably haven't understood Christianity the way you need to understand it. Spend some time studying some of the great truths of the gospel. Of, uh, one of the greatest blessings of my life was studying. I did a sermon on redemption. And I studied these different salvation terms. And how they were used in the Bible and what they meant. And there are many times I'd sit in my office and I would just weep. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. That God did that for me. <laughs> I'm about, to, I'm about to get Pentecostal up here. Okay. But let your heart be surrendered to God. Worshiping by surrender, what should you surrender? Surrender your heart. Secondly, surrender your body. Surrender your body. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Israelites, when they would offer a sacrifice, they would take a lamb or a goat or a bull, and they would bring it to the tabernacle, and they would lay their hands on it, they would confess their sins, uh, they would uh, put the animal to death and, and put it upon the altar. So that's kind of the picture here. This was a sacrifice they were offering as an atonement for their sin to anticipate what Jesus would do. Uh, but the idea here is that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So we're not putting ourselves to death. That's not what he's asking. But he's asking that we die to ourselves and we choose to offer ourselves up to God for his purposes. Okay? That's the idea. Offer your bodies to God. Did you know that when you do something kind for someone else, that's worship? You give somebody uh, something who's in need. Or you come alongside and you help somebody through a difficult time. That's worship. When you offer yourself to God to do whatever the case may be. There was a, a, a book uh, that came out a, a number of years ago called The Conspiracy of Kindness. And uh, basically the whole thesis of the book was that 
we can love people who are lost in, in the world just by doing things for them in kindness. And, um, and you know, like the, that's where the term servant evangelism comes in uh, that some people use. But uh, that's not something new. That's something right out of the pages of Scripture. Jesus said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you ministered to me. Um, and so forth and so on. When do we see you, Lord, in sick, in prison, hungry, thirsty? When do we see in as much as you've done it unto one of the least of these my brothers, you've done it to me. So when you serve that preschool class and you teach them about Jesus, or work in vacation Bible school, or sweep a floor, or sit and be a listening ear for someone who's struggling, you're doing it for Jesus Christ. It's worship. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, God's given us gifts. Uh, he has designed us in certain ways. Some of us will have gifts and strengths in certain areas. And we will tend to use our bodies as a living sacrifice to fulfill that specific role in God's kingdom. But all of us are called to surrender our bodies. Jesus said, uh, well, actually Paul, I think it was who said this. He said, you are bought with a price. You're not your own. Honor God with your bodies. So, Praise God. Uh, we can serve God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You don't have to be uh, a Bible scholar to serve God, do you? And you, can, you can worship Him by simple acts of service for other people, and it is just as valuable as anything that somebody in some ivory tower somewhere is doing. God cares about practical worship, and He delights in it. And so, um, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, a number of years ago, we watched uh, this thing called The Truth Project, and they had this guy they interviewed through a 12-week course. They would interview him about different things throughout the course. And uh, you could tell he didn't know, you know, he, at least on the surface, didn't look like he knew Christ. And, uh, and that indeed was the case as, as, he, as they talked to him. He, he didn't know Christ. But the guy asked him at one point towards the end of the study, he said, what to you is a true Christian? And he lifted his head, and he was kind of thinking back, and he says, I still remember. He said, he said I see a whole lot of hypocrisy in the church. He said, but I still remember one person who I think was a true Christian. He said, there's a lady when I was eight years old, and my family was going through a hard time. She made us some pies and brought them to our house. And cooked us a meal. She cared for our needs. She is a true Christian. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times people forget what I say before they even get to the restaurant. I'm not saying you shouldn't come. I'm not saying it's not valuable. Okay, God can bring it to mind later on when you need it. But it is amazing the power of simple acts of love for people. Never underestimate that. Let it be your acts of worship to God. So, 
We need to surrender our hearts, surrender your heart, surrender your body, surrender your goals. He says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So, my chief goal in life should be to be pleasing to God. I need to surrender my goals to Him. I um, heard a pastor share a story a number of years ago about his sons, who were apparently very good soccer players, and um, they were uh, involved in, in tournaments and so forth, and and finally, the day came where they were just going to have to be gone every Sunday to, to do this tournament. And they, they talked about it as a family and came to the decision that Jesus Christ was more important than soccer. And they honored God by choosing to be in church instead of being soccer. What are your priorities? Now, I'm not saying it's just whether or not you come to church, but oftentimes in our lives, we live by our priorities, and our priorities aren't always the way they need to be. If if we never have time for God, you know, I, I hear sometimes people say, well, I don't have time to have a quiet time. Well, how many hours of TV do you watch a week? 30? Oh, okay. Well, you do have some time you could take. You could turn off the TV and spend some time with God. Right? It's a question of priorities. Um, we, need to, we need to say, is it my chief priority to live my life in a pleasing and honoring way to God? Good question. Um, Paul said, I consider everything else but rubbish that I might be found in him. Can I tell you something? Everything else without Jesus is rubbish. It is. Money won't satisfy you. Fame won't satisfy you. Nothing else will satisfy you. There's a hunger in our hearts that can only be filled one way, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He needs to be the chief priority of our lives. And can I tell you something? When you honor him and you put him in first place, the Bible says he gives us all things richly to enjoy. And so we enjoy the things he's given us more when we're honoring him with our lives and putting him first. A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. That means I set aside my own desires sometimes to be pleasing to God. My own goals to be pleasing to God. And he is the chief goal and concern of my life. Now, I'll confess to you, I'm not perfect in this, and I struggle with this at times. If you, if you say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength every moment of every day, seven days a week, you're a liar. Because you don't. Uh, none of us do. And so... We need supernatural help in this, and you can't. The Bible says the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the first fruit and the most important fruit, is love. And as you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you will be able to love God and put Him first and honor Him in the way that He desires to be honored. God will help you do it. Isn't that crazy? It's a little crazy, isn't it? 
God would help you do what pleases God. He will help you love him the way that he wants to be loved. That almost sounds counterintuitive. Well, why would God help me do something like that? Wouldn't he just expect that of me? That's just how good God is. He knows we can't do it. And so he comes alongside. He says, I'll give you my Holy Spirit, and he'll help you love me. He'll help you put me first in your life. So surrender your goals to him. Lord, by God's grace, I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. Finally, surrender your mindset. Now, this, this phrase in my, in my translation says, this is your true worship. This phrase is actually really hard to translate. If you, if you take a, a parallel translation, you're probably going to see several different things in there because there are different ways it could be translated. and um, It's kind of a rich, a rich terminology here. But literally, the idea is that it is your reasonable worship or your, uh, your thinking worship. Uh, it has the idea of the mind. Okay, that I have set my mind to worship God. In other words, rather than just going through my day kind of blind to everything else and just kind of doing whatever I want to do, I choose to have the mindset of honoring God. And what that means is, as I'm having a conversation with some folks at work, the thought crosses my mind, how could I honor God? What do I need to say? What do I not need to say to honor God? Or perhaps uh, in my family relationships, rather than just thinking about them as relationships, and uh, think about how, how does my action, how does my behavior in this situation honor God or dishonor Him, whatever the case may be. Am I being the husband that I need to be? Or am I being the wife that I need to be in such a way that would honor God? Can I tell you something? You don't love your spouse because they deserve it. Okay? By the way, none of us really deserve it. We all have hang-ups. We all have problems, right? We all have issues. Praise God, he doesn't wait for us to get our act together before he'll save us by his grace. So as I act as a spouse, I can do so in a way that honors God. What would, what would the word of God say? What is God's character toward me? I, I heard Charles Stanley a number of years ago talk about uh, the fact that he, uh, his, I believe it was his father, wasn't in his life. He had no frame of reference of what it meant to be a godly father because he didn't have a father that he, he was familiar with. And so he decided, I'm going to try to be a father by modeling my behavior after the character of God. I thought, man, what a great statement. I can't think of a better statement. You know, and so I've kind of stolen that from him and... Uh, <clears throat> Use that and try to use that in my life. I've not been perfect in it by any, by any stretch of the imagination. But um, one of the ways I did that was when my kids were little. And, and you know, there'd be spankings and so forth if, if uh, there was direct rebellion uh, against what we said and so forth. But every once in a while, I just felt like I needed to extend grace to them. To teach them this is how God deals with us. 
And so I, I would say to them, uh, whichever one it was, uh, you deserve a spanking for this, but I'm not going to give you one because I'm going to show you grace. And, uh, or I'm going to let you do this activity even though you don't deserve to do it. Grace, right? And so I, I tried to teach them that. Now, you know, you can't do that every time, okay? But, but it was something I tried to do. <clears throat> now, that's just one example, but if you, th- if you thought, what is it to be just? What it, if you take the characteristic of justice, you could use that. Um, how can I parent in such a way as to be just and fair with my kids? Great principle, right? But the mindset is, how can I honor God? How can I live my life in my relationships, in my work? Can you believe lost people are looking at what we do at work? How could I honor God or dishonor God in how I act at work? We ought to be diligent workers as Christians. We ought to, to give our boss his money's worth, right? Uh, as, as bosses, we ought to uh, be bosses in such a way that would bring honor and glory to God. Um, being fair and just and fair and those kinds of things. And so this mindset, whatever it is, my leisure time, how can I honor God in this situation? Maybe I'm fishing and I say, Lord, I praise you for the beauty of what you've made. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to unplug and chill out and relax. It's honoring God, right? Uh, And so let every, listen, sometimes people try to divide life into the sacred and the secular. Can I tell you something? It shouldn't be that way. Every part of your life should be sacred. Every part of your life should be lived in worship to God. Whatever you say, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's your mindset. So surrender your mindset to Him. Rather than how can I get ahead or what's in it for me, ask how can I honor God? And you will be worshiping. So worshiping by surrender. Surrender your heart. Surrender your body. Surrender your goals. And surrender your mindset. And you will live a life of worship. Jesus will be honored and blessed. And you will be blessed. Because whenever you honor God, he honors you. Um, I've been speaking mainly to Christians today. Um, and as Christians, we need to surrender ourselves to God each and every day that we live, taking up our cross daily to follow Him. And if you're not surrendered in one of these areas we've talked about today, I encourage you to tell God right now where you sit, Lord, today in my heart, I surrender completely to you in this area. Help me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to surrender. Sustain that surrender so that I can live a life that honors you. But if you don't know Christ, the first step is to begin a relationship with him by uh, coming to a place of repentance or surrender in your, walk, uh, in your life. You surrender 
your life to God. It's a step of faith, right? But Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Um, he actually said that to the religious leaders. Be like somebody coming up and saying, Roger, you, unless you repent, you're, you're going to split hell wide open. Uh, that's kind of the, the sense of the situation. Um, all of us need to repent, to surrender our lives to him, to turn from our sin our own way to follow Christ. And if you're like me, as a Christian, I have to do that every day. I have to surrender, <laughs> repent, usually repent, um, because there's, you know, in some way, um, I haven't lived perfectly for the Lord. Uh, but God is always gracious to forgive. But if you're, if you're not yet um, a child of God, you need to surrender as a first step of faith. Okay? So I encourage you today, just say, Jesus, I choose to, to uh, surrender to you, to follow you as my Lord and as the leader of my life, and I receive your forgiveness uh, in simple trust. And if that's your heart, I, I want you to, to let me know after the service. I'll be up here towards the front, and come up and let me know about